0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Man, we sang those words no matter what it takes, no matter what it costs. Dave challenges us, you know, it's to sing it's words like we mean them, right? And uh, that's one to think about, isn't it? No matter what it takes, really? No matter what it costs? When I was going to the U- University of Missouri, I got my bachelor's degree in administration of justice. It was pre-law, pre-corrections, pre-police, um, whatever. It, the, the, it was a justice degree. And uh, one of the classes that we had to take, was had to take the basics, you know, liberal arts degree, you know, economics. And uh, we also had class uh, taught by an economist uh, about crime. It was called the economics of crime. And talking about this whole idea of cost and benefit. Now what's, what's the cost, what's the benefits? Both for the criminal and for the justice system. And um, really interesting, but this guy was strange. He, you know, his hair was, <laughs> of course he had hair, so that was, but it was <laughs> unkempt. And, and uh, one day he showed us, he had different color socks on, and his, his clothes sometimes were wrinkled. And uh, so somebody, I don't remember how it came up, but he, he began to explain one day. He said he did a cost-benefit analysis on this kind of stuff. And that there's a cost to getting your socks to match. You know, you have to, you know, go sort through and put them together and put them. And so he said, "Well, what's the benefit of that?" He says, "Most time, nobody ever sees my socks, so he quit matching them and just dumped them in the drawer. Doing his cost-benefit analysis, it wasn't enough benefit to combing his hair. It just didn't matter. Okay, this whole cost-benefit analysis and." Uh, it was funny, and, uh, uh, but at the same time, it is true in our lives, that, and we don't, aren't always conscious of it, but we, we do a cost-benefit analysis for the decisions we make in life, don't we? And it's not dollars necessarily, but we think, wait a minute, if I'm going to do this, this. And so that's exactly what we're doing. We're really weighing what's going on. And so when we sing and say, no matter what it takes, For the glory of his name, no matter what it costs us. What we're saying is that following Jesus is of greater value than any of those things. And this morning I want you to to go away with this idea that following Jesus is always worth it. Not always easy, not always even pleasant in the moment, but always, always worth it. Okay, we could do the math. Always, always worth it. And uh, so what we're gonna do is go to the Gospel of John, chapter 10, this sermon series called Highlight Reel because we've been just looking at some very, very well-known passages of scriptures, kind of like the Highlight Reel when you watch the sports channel or something. So let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. This idea of following Jesus. In John, chapter 10, is the picture of sheep following a shepherd. And I really wanna encourage you today about what an awesome shepherd we have. So last week in John chapter nine, we had seen this man born blind and and, uh, Jesus had healed him and and we see the whole process that he went through and the opposition that came into his life because of it. And he makes a decision to follow the Lord and it costs him. It cost him, he gets himself kicked out of the synagogue, kicked out of the religious life of his family and his people. And was it worth it? Well, it is. But let's see, Jesus begins to talk about a shepherd and his sheep. So John chapter 10, starting in verse one. By the way, if you don't have a Bible with you, we encourage you to to grab one out of the chairs, underneath the chairs there in front of you, and turn to page 1235. I think if you follow along with this, it'll be a lot easier. John chapter 10, verse one. He says, most assuredly I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Let's just, just stop there for just a moment. I think we all probably here today understand that uh, this analogy, when he's talking about the shepherd and the sheep, he's talking about Jesus as the shepherd, he's the shepherd, and he's gonna identify himself as that in a minute, and we as his sheep. Now really, we all have been exposed to this idea over the years, you know, you may be watching, and, and it, it's probably not even a new thought to you, because uh, we've been to funerals, and Psalm 23, What's it say? Say it with me, the Lord is my shepherd. So we've been exposed to this idea, all right? And so this is what Jesus is talking about here. But it's so encouraging to me. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. How personal is this relationship between the shepherd and his sheep? He knows them all. He knows them by name. Um, I don't know where you work, what your job is, uh, but probably a lot of you work in situations where, if the president or the owner were to come walking through your work area and call you by name, you would go, "Wow!" Right? He knows because what to communicate when somebody knows your name when they wouldn't have to? They what? They care. They are interested in you. You are of value to them, and so this is the way Jesus is with us. What what an awesome thing to think. Jesus knows it's my name. Well, of course he does, he's God, he knows everything. That's not the point, is it? No, it's the point, he knows you. He knows me. Verse four, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Just say this too, Jesus will never lead us someplace where he is not going. He's not gonna say, okay, I'm sticking here, and you guys go there. No, if he's sending us someplace, we're following. He's leading us there, okay? Verse five. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. We'll talk more about that in a little while. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. They they didn't get the point. Uh, One of the things that I really noticed here is that, um, and he's gonna say some more about this, but he contrasts himself with everybody else. I'm the shepherd here, right, and the shepherd takes care of the sheep. Everybody else are what? Thieves, robbers. There are many things in this world that will seek to pull you away from following the Lord. Some very overtly, some very subtly. And they will offer to you something that looks great, something that seems exciting. And, but the truth is, if it's not Jesus who's leading you to that, guess what? It's not good. It's not in your best, system. no matter how good it looks at the moment, it's not good. If it's not, if you aren't doing this because you're following the Lord, you're doing something else. And he says, anything else, robbers, thief, not a good situation. So remember that. I get so grieved from time to time, and, and thankfully it hasn't, doesn't happen much here, Um, but it does happen even with other people I know around the, the country, sometimes around the world, that somebody in a marriage relationship starts to believe that a relationship with somebody else would be much better. That's a thief. It's a robber. It's not of God. See, and so if we will live this way with this understanding that, wait a minute, the shepherd, he's the one who cares for us. He's the one who loves us. He's the one who knows us by name. He's the one that leads us out. He's the one who goes before us. Anything else takes me away from that and puts me at risk. The world is not neutral. The world is not neutral. It's either you're following the Lord, living his ways, or you're doing something else. It's God's way or any other way. Now that sounds, boy, that kind of, uh, I mean, if I told you my way or the highway, what would you say about me? We knew it all along. No. (laughs) I'm really not that way, okay? (laughs) Um, But it seems arrogant, doesn't it? For a human being to say, but for God it's not arrogant because His way is the best way. His way is the absolute best way for you. Any other way is going to be problematic, it's going to bring pain, eventually bring pain and difficulties into your life, but the bigger thing is it's also going to rob you of being able to honor and glorify the Lord and have that relationship which he has for you. All right, so let's continue. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find Okay, What does he mean, he is the door? Well, we've got a picture here of a sheepfold, okay, from that part of the world and many places in the world. And what they would do is they would take the rocks and build up a pen, and what you would see is that there's only one place to enter, isn't there? Come in. If, If you're going over the wall, it's because you're a robber or a thief. Uh, and what the shepherd would do would be plant himself in the doorway. So for anything to come in, had to go through the shepherd. For anything to go out, had to go through the shepherd. And so Jesus says, I am the door. If, if you are going to uh, come into the sheepfold, if you're gonna become one of mine, you have to go through me. How many ways are there to heaven, how many roads? How many paths? One that's right. Now, there are many paths that we are on that get us there to that place. But I mean, you think you can come from all around, but the only way you get in is what through the door, through the shepherd. Okay, and so the only way we come to forgiveness of sin and eternal life and a relationship with God is by going through Jesus. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So that's, that's what we've identified, right? Anybody who's telling you to go a different direction than what the Lord is telling you to go does not have your best interests at heart. But he says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, I think that this has been very much probably misused by um, people who claim to be preaching the word and want to say to you that you know God's will is for you to be rich. Now it might be for some of you. And that's fine. Nothing problem with being rich. But when they tell you that it's God's will for you to be rich, it's not God's will for you to be sick, it's God's will only for you to be healthy, it's not God's will, any of those, only the good, fun, happy things, that's what God's will is for you. And how you get this, and how you experience that, is you send money to my ministry. Look how well I'm doing, look how God has blessed me. And, It's just not a doctrine that the Bible teaches, but when Jesus talks about I come to have life, he's talking about uh, that you have been spiritually dead in your sins. I've come, and if you come through me, through the door, you will receive eternal life. And that's not just life that doesn't end, it's his life. It's the life of God within you. It's a different kind of life than you have by birth. And so you come to life, and he says, and you have it abundantly. In other words, you're going to experience All of the blessings of what it means to have my life in you. It doesn't mean that this life here gets easier. Although I got to tell you, I have faced major troubles in my life in my own strength and wisdom. And I have faced major troubles in my life consciously doing my best to totally depend upon Christ. You know which one's easier? In the long run, the, the following Christ is much easier. But so abundant life, this life that's full, it's, it's a life that's more than we understand, and we experience it at every turn. So that's what he has come to do. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And so he's telling us, right? Jesus came, dies for our sins, gives his life for us. He says, but a hireling, and hireling would mean someone who's being paid a wage, someone who's been hired to watch the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. And so this must have been known to his audience. This must have been what happened in his culture, right? The shepherd took care of the sheep, but if he hired somebody else, when when trouble came, they took off. But the point here is not about the hireling, it's about the good shepherd. The good shepherd does not take off. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let that sink in. Isn't that amazing? Ever had anybody, any person leave you? Any person forsake you? Most of us have at some point in time. Jesus says, I will never do that. It will not happen. Verse 14 I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep, and I'm known by my own, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So we're talking about the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep, and we're gonna, we're gonna see something about that in a little while here, I'm gonna show you something that'll help you to understand this. But a relationship, man, I'm trying to. So I, I'm a human being, in case you were wondering. I'm a pastor, I'm a human being, and I have my natural tendencies, my personality, and I can get, if I'm not careful, I can get very task-driven. Especially now, we're coming into this this season and Christmas choirs and and, uh, outreach Sundays and all this kind of thing, I can be very driven on that. And if if I'm not careful, if I'm not paying attention, the next thing I know is I'm not paying attention to people. It's not because I don't like people, I just get focused. Anybody here like that or know somebody in your family like that? Yeah, okay. Right? Okay, so, but here's what I want you to see. Jesus is never like that. He's never like that. Does he have tasks that he's working on? Does he have things he's working to accomplish? Yes, but he always has time for relationship with you and you with him, just like he and his father said we're in relationship, okay? Uh, John said this, talking about the fellowship that we have in Christ. Our fellowship is with with Christ and with the Father, and now we share that together. We have this wonderful relationship. And so that is what Jesus offers to us as our good shepherd, and we follow him, this relationship which is always available to us. Let's read on, verse 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Uh, in our Life Source U class on Wednesday nights, we're in the book, one of our classes, we're in the book of Ephesians, and we see this, that from the, the, the perspective of the Jewish people here, they were God's people, weren't they, right? I mean, and God had given them his law, and all the symbols that were pointing toward the coming Messiah and his ministry, all these things. And, and they thought they were it, and they had, they had forgotten that God had said no you were to proclaim his glory to the whole world this is not about you this is about the whole world and they need to hear it from you they had forgotten that but Jesus is saying here I have how does he say it other sheep I have which are not of this fold I think we have at least one person here today who has Jewish heritage but the rest of us what are we the Bible call us Gentiles. And we, were, we didn't have Christ, but now we do. And so he says, I'm gonna do what? I have other sheep, and I'm gonna bring them all. And how many flocks are there gonna be? One flock, my flock, Jesus' flock. And it says, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again, this command I have received from my Father. So know that when Jesus died for us, it wasn't, from the perspective of the Romans, did they kill him? From the Romans' perspective, did they kill him? Did they nail him to a tree and kill him and take his life? Yeah, but Jesus very clearly, he's the son of God, and he says what? Nobody takes my life from me, I do what? I." willingly laid down, and we see as he hangs there on the cross, it says he determined and he gave up his spirit to death, all right? He's God. It's one thing to think that, wow, you know, if if, if persecution came to you and you were killed, somebody killed you, all right, so, you know, you went through that so faithfully, that was so awesome but what if instead you chose to let yourself be killed because it was going to accomplish God's great purposes? You see, there's a difference, isn't there? And so he willingly lays down his life for us. Verse 19, therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these saying. Can I say to you today that Jesus still brings division today? You want to find out? Just go to the workplace wherever you are, it's sitting around the break room, well, why don't you start telling people that Jesus is the Son of God and the only way to heaven? There gonna be any division in that room? Sure there is. Now, I think you need to be wise, you need to follow the Spirit, you need to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not saying you should just go in and do that, but Jesus brings division because he is the dividing line, isn't he? I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father what? but by me. He is the dividing point. Therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these things, and many of them said, he has a demon and is mad, why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Referring back to the events we saw in chapter nine. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. So envision this, he's going into the temple, he's there uh, and it says it's winter, it tend to be a rainy season, this is a covered area. He walks in there and all of a sudden it says the Jews, what did it say they did? What's it look in the Bible? That's, I'm asking you a question, it's in the Bible. What does it say? They surrounded him. All of a sudden, this was purpose. They were waiting for him. And all of a sudden now, they have surrounded him. And we're talking about Jews. Just understand, again, we're talking about Jews in here. It's almost always the religious leaders. Okay? That's who they're talking about here. But they have surrounded him, and they're challenging him. And they said, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And the Christ is the Greek form of the word Messiah. So he's asking, are you our Messiah? Are you the one? Tell us plainly. Now I would say to you that he's already told them plenty. And we're going to see him challenge them in that way. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, okay? Look, if you are open to what the Old Testament prophecies have said, and you see what I'm doing and hear what I'm saying, there's plenty of evidence there for you to conclude that I am the Messiah, I am the Christ. It's not a problem of information. And I would say to you that most of the opposition you will run into, well, that's, that's probably not even accurate. Often the opposition that you run into with people is not a problem of information. It's a different problem. Jesus goes on. Verse 26, he says, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so he says the problem here is that you don't have a relationship with me. You're not one of my sheep. Now, it wasn't that they couldn't have been his sheep. He isn't saying, oh, you weren't picked to be one of my sheep. No, that was available to anybody who would yield themselves to him and follow him. That's what he said, but you don't have a relationship with me. You haven't believed, you haven't come and followed. You're not listening to my voice. And so when you are sharing the gospel with people, sometimes there is information that's lacking and they need that. And we need to be ready to give an answer and explain those things. But when we finally have the explanation it's there, I want you to know that the problem of coming to Christ is not a problem of information. Once you have the information, the problem is a decision of the heart, a decision of the will. Am I willing to submit to Christ and enter into a relationship with Him or not? And these people hadn't. They weren't willing to do that. There was plenty of evidence, plenty of information. They had not chosen to yield to Christ and believe So my sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And by the way, they they, they knew exactly what he meant when he said that that I am God, my Father is God, because if we went on reading, we're not going to, but they picked up stones to kill him because they said you were claiming to be God. So when someone tells you Jesus never claimed to be God, the people who heard him very much understood that he claimed to be God, okay? But I want you to see this, he gives eternal life. To those who receive him as Savior, he gives eternal life and they shall, what's the word? They shall, look in your Bible, verse 28, and I gave, give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And what's never mean? Never. <laughs> That's right, not ever. Never. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. In other words, who's holding on to who here? If you come to Christ, are you still saved because you're holding on to him? No. No. Because if it's up to you holding on to him, you're gonna let go from time to time, be lost. No, it's not us holding on to him, he's holding on to us. And nobody can take us away from him. I mean, I, I enjoy watching uh, the Patriots play football. And I played football when I was in high school, had fun, and I thought at one point in time, I'll go try out for the Kansas City Chiefs. And my dad said, don't do that, you're crazy, you'll get killed. And he's right, I look at these guys. These are monsters. <laughs> um, and if they had a hold of something, do you think I could get it out of their hand? No way. You know, I, mean? I couldn't. And so, what would it be like to say, okay, I'm going to have a, a, a wrestling match with Jesus here and take something away from him? Do I need to say, duh? So he's got a hold of us. And then he says, my Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So God is holding on to us, too. Here, somehow or rather, we come to Christ, we are in Christ. He's got us, and the Father has him. You're not, <laughs> no, you can't lose it. Satan can't get it from you. Other people can't get it away from you. I don't think that you can even get away. I don't know why you'd want to, but I don't think you can get away either. And then he has very much a claim to deity. All right, so talking about Jesus is this shepherd, this good shepherd, and sheep following a shepherd, and we start off with this idea that following Jesus is always worth it. So let's just go through some things here that I think truths that flow out of this passage. Uh, great reasons to follow Jesus. And I'm sure we could come up with a lot more, but great reasons to follow Jesus. The first one is this. If you want to escape hell and have eternal life, come to Jesus. Right? I give them eternal life. They come through me, only through me. And and this is what we call the gospel, and if it's new to you, let me explain. Uh, Those of you who are watching, maybe it's new to you. The reality is, is that every one of us are born with a sinful nature, a nature that's about us, Self-centered, selfish, we wanna go our own way, do our own thing, and then we do it. And we don't live the way God has told us to live. We might live better than a lot of other people, but we don't live the way God has told us to live. Uh, The Scripture is very clear that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We don't measure up. So we've all failed, and that has separated us from God. We are spiritually dead on the inside. We can believe in God, know there's a God. but yet we're dead inside, spiritually. And so the Bible tells us that the Son of God came from heaven, Christmas coming up, born as a human being, without sin, lives a perfect and sinless life. He has no sins of his own to pay for. The Bible says that then when he went to the cross and he hangs there on the cross, that God the Father takes all of the guilt and penalty for my sins and all of yours, and the sins of the whole world and places it on Christ as he hangs there dying. And Jesus pays the penalty for our sins and gives up his life and dies in the process. Three days later, he rises from the dead, victorious over sin and over death. And here's the gospel, the good news, that if you and I will acknowledge that we have sinned against God, yeah, I, have, I know I haven't always lived the way I'm supposed to and I've, I've sinned against God, and I, I understand that it's separated from me, God, then I can ch- make a conscious choice to I'm going to trust Jesus for forgiveness for my sins. I'm going to receive Jesus as my savior and accept what he did for me on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And by faith, we, just, we choose to believe that and receive Christ. The Bible says that when we do that, that every sin is now forgiven. Every sin we've ever committed, every sin forgiven, we get eternal life. That means when this life is over, we don't go to hell, we go to heaven. And probably the greatest thing, and I don't think it was comprehended, is that God himself moves in. And now we have his life in us. And he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. He becomes our shepherd, we become his Sheep. So that's the gospel. If you, if you want to escape hell and have eternal life, then come to Jesus. Second thing, if you want someone you can always count on, trust your life to Jesus. I mean, we see here, there's all sorts of people who want to take your life into their hands, aren't there? The robbers, the thieves. Trust Jesus. Anything that comes to you, and I already talked about it, but anything that comes to you, you know, depend on this. Depend on your money for your security. You know what the Bible says about that. It can go away like, trust Jesus, use your money. What people wanna do is trust their money and use Jesus. that, That doesn't work, okay? But your money, other people, you know, there are people in life that you can really trust, but they are only human, and sometimes they may even let you down just because they don't even know or understand. Jesus never will. In all my years of following the Lord, and I have not done it perfectly by a long stretch, but every time that I have been following the Lord, even when he's brought me into hardship, I gotta tell you, I have never felt like he has betrayed me. He has never let me down. He has never forsaken me. And so if you, if you want someone you can really trust, trust Jesus. Third thing, if you want to experience true intimacy in life, draw close to Jesus. And we all want intimacy, and, and we're different personalities, and it comes across in different ways, but by intimacy here, I mean we all want to be known and accepted, and to be known completely. Do you have anything today in your life that you think, man, I just assume these people sitting around me didn't know? You guys afraid to say, yeah, (laughs) right? I have things like that, I just assume you didn't know. How much better would it be to say, these people around me know everything about me and they still love me and value me? Well, that's what Jesus does, see? That's the level of relationship you have with him. He knows you inside out, he knows all the ugly and still values you and loves you and works in your life. Fourth great reason, if you want safety and security from those who will harm you, stay close to Jesus. When you belong to the Lord, who can get through to you? The only people who can get through to you are the ones the Lord allows. Now, he could allow someone to come and hurt you. But you know what you find? I'm in the center of God's will. I am trusting him. So I am safe as can be. No one can, when I'm walking with the Lord and doing his will, nobody, no evil can come to me unless the Lord Allows it. And if he allows it, he has good reasons and good purposes in it. But if I want to go out and live my own life my own way, I'm going to go my own way. I'm coming out here doing my own thing. And we don't necessarily say, but here I am out here doing this. What protection do I have now? Well, you're doing your own thing. How's that working for you? All right? So the idea is we have this safety and security in the Lord. But now this is kind of balanced by this, this next thought. If you want dangerous adventure, Doing something that matters. Follow Jesus. What do I mean, dangerous adventure? Now, I don't know about you, I think, uh, you know, um, Indiana Jones. And the music goes, da-da-da-da, da-da-da, swinging, duh, duh, hero. Do you understand that that getting up and living today for Jesus is da-da-da-da, da-da-da, <laughs> It may not seem like it, but it is an adventure. If you're really walking with him, then who did you spend the time with today? Well, I went through the world with Jesus. It's an adventure, and it's dangerous in this sense, because when you get serious about following the Lord, whose attention do you attract? The enemy's attention. Now, once again, he can't get through to you unless the Lord allows it, and he only allows it when he has a good purpose in it. But it could be so exciting. Can, <laughs> think about this, if if tomorrow morning you said okay, I'm getting up today and today I am going to walk with Jesus, I'm going to follow him I'm going to say the things that I believe he wants me to say when he wants me to say them, I'm going to respond I'm going to do, I'm going to whatever what might happen? I'll tell you one thing it'd be an adventure be an adventure it's available to you and the final reason here, great reason to follow Jesus, final reason out of our passage today is if you want to be where the action is, listen for and respond to Jesus' voice. Okay? In other words, if, if you are doing what he says, you're gonna be where the action is. And that's a good thing. I mean that in a good way. Okay? You're gonna be where the things that really matter are happening. And, but you have to listen for him and follow his voice. I wanna show you a video here. It's a, I think it's maybe three minutes long. And... and Just let me set the stage for you. Um, Apparently, there's a group of people, and we don't see most of these people, but you can hear them. They're in the background here watching. And there's a field with sheep in it. And apparently what they're doing is they're trying to take turns to go up and call the sheep, try to get the sheep to come. Okay, and they try it and you'll see how that goes. And then they say the farmer, but the shepherd, the one who cares for the sheep, comes up and calls the sheep. And I want you just to watch the difference, okay? So go ahead. Pretty amazing, huh? The, the difference is, but they recognize His voice. They didn't recognize other people's voices. It didn't matter what they say. But they recognized Jesus' voice. So, how do we do that? How do you listen for Jesus' voice? It's very quickly here. First thing is Jesus talks to people who choose to listen. You've got to choose to listen. I'm going to listen the Lord's voice. And by the way, when I say in the Lord's voice today, I'm not saying you're going to hear audible things. I'm not talking about it. He speaks to us through our spirit and our mind and through the Word. So, But you have to choose to listen. I want to listen. Okay. Secondly, surrender your will to do what He says. If you want Jesus to lead you and tell you what to do, you aren't, it doesn't work like this. You don't say, okay, uh, Lord, tell me what you want me to do and I'll evaluate and make a decision whether I want to do it or not. And James talks about that. If you want to ask for wisdom, you've got to ask believing. I'm, I'm going to do it or you won't get it. So surrender your will to do what he says. Third thing, open his word to see what he says. Okay? He has spoken to us here. And he speaks to us today here through his word. Not only the specifics where he tells us something we ought to do or not do, something we ought to believe or not believe, a way we ought to think or a way we ought not to think. Not just those, but then he also takes that and with his spirit leads us to think about our lives. Oh, I see how that applies here. And he's speaking to us. When he does that, open his word, saturate your mind and fill your heart with his word. This isn't just an occasional thing. You need to just be in the word of God on a regular basis. Each and every day, if possible, just spending time. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, we'll be glad to help you. Grab one of those communication cards in there and say, I'd like to learn how to, to you know, read the word. We'll be glad to help you with that. Uh, but you gotta, the more you saturate yourself, the, the more, Let me ask you this. It's not so much more now we have caller ID all the time, but has there ever been a time when you used to pick up the phone and somebody says, hi, and they say two or three words and you know who it is? How's that happen? It's because you've talked to this person enough over the years that you immediately recognize the voice. And so that's why we want to saturate ourselves, saturate our minds with the word of God, saturate our hearts with the word of God so that when Jesus speaks, we go, I recognize that voice, I recognize that voice. And then uh, talk with him about his word, about your life and how they intersect. All right, so here you are, you're reading the word, and and talk to God. Don't just read it, but touch the boy, Lord, that's cool or man, I don't understand that, Lord, or that sounds hard or or whatever. And then you think, okay, Lord, how does this fit in my life? And then you think about what's going on in your life. You think about your relationships. You think about your responsibilities. You think about all sorts of things and you try to think, how does this intersect with what God has said? And and God at those points of time is going to go, you're going to go, "Oh. And the Lord has just spoken to you and shown you something. And then this is really crucial. Step out in faith and act on whatever you believe he's saying to you. Because, you know, that is where it's going to get real to you. That's where you are going to discover this really works. He really has spoken to me. I heard his voice in the word and, and, and in his, my relationship with him, and I, I took a big step, and I was kind of scared, but I took this big step, and I did it, and... Wow, here's what happened. I decided to open my mouth and share my faith. I, it didn't happen with it. God worked. God did something. I, I opened up my you know, wallet here, and I, and I gave to something or to someone and, because I felt like the Lord was telling me to do it. And what does he do? Who knows? This is where it gets adventure. Da, 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 da. Okay? But you've got to step out in faith. He'll be speaking to you Um, to you with his word. He's going to speak through you to other people. And it's really important that you do this when this happens. You do it now. When the Lord says do something now, when's the time to do it? Now. And that's how you're going to discover because if you don't do that, what's going to happen, you don't do it and you wait and you say, oh, was the Lord really speaking to me? Was he really? I don't know. It's... It's about acting on it now. I'll give you just a quick example. In April 4th, 1975, the night I received Christ as Savior, I'd already been attending church, I was teaching a kid's Sunday school class, I had been baptized, I had not been saved, I had not received Jesus as Savior. The night I received Jesus as Savior, I was by myself, and I, 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 uh, uh, after a church service, and I, I came back up into where people were, and I saw the youth pastor walking toward me, and I thought, I don't have to tell him. He already thinks I am. And this is one of those times, I can tell you, where it just clears a bell, God talked to me and said, if you do that, you're gonna be right back where you were, feeling and doubting and struggling. And that was the time. And I so I told this man what I had done. And I tell you, it settled it for me. I have never once doubted that I have a relationship with Christ ever since. But if I had not done what he spoke to me. You see, in the moment, do it now. Following Jesus is always worth it. It always is. He's this good shepherd who will never, ever let us down. I tell you what, let's, let's close today. Some of you won't know this, but enough of you do.
1: Sing with me. Would you sing me? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow though no one join me still I will follow no turning back no turning back
0: father thank you for the truths from your word that your son is the Good Shepherd who is so worth following You are worthy, not just because it's right, but, Father, you have gone so far beyond it's just right into it's so good. And I pray, Father, you would fill our hearts and minds with that truth as we go from here today. And we would seek to live this out, to follow and to listen for your Son's voice to us. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.